genre. podcast where we review, discuss, and recap every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Nick Jimenez. And today on the show, we'll be discussing the last four episodes of The Ambassadors of Death, which is the third doctor's third story. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I watched a, uh, between, between this week and last week, I watched a behind-the-scenes um, special feature on the DVD because mm-hmm. I have the DVD for this. And uh, the special feature had this great section on the gunfight that we talked about last week. Nice. Like the crazy like 15-minute gunfight from last week. And uh, they were talking about it with the director and everything. And they basically said, yeah, so the script said there's a gunfight. And I just thought, well, we're ahead of schedule. We have a warehouse. We have all these blokes with with fake guns and their uniforms. Like, why don't we just take a day and shoot and see what we can come up with? That's amazing. So all of that was done. Every single one of those shots that you saw were done in one take. And all of it was improv on the oh, day. Oh, man. That's, that's inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought, wow, that's amazing. It is. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ABC. Yeah. They said they did something like – they did something like like 40 or 50 setups that day. Oh, my God. Because um, they would just do a setup. They'd go – they'd yell action and then they'd do the move and they'd yell cut and they'd be like, all right, let's set up for the next one. They just keep going. And they said that they didn't shoot anything that didn't end up in the episodes. So that's why it's so long. They just used all of it. Yeah, because it's, it's a long shootout. Yeah. <laughs> so good, though. It is. It's, it's it is. Amazing. Also, they said that if you can pay, if you pay attention, most of the people involved die like three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And then proceed to die in the, a bunch of people. And then proceed to die in the next shootout. Right. Right. Uh so let's talk about Ambassadors of Death Part Four. Um so where we last left off, Liz was dangling helplessly from uh from the edge of a of a dam of a small dam. Um <laughs> It didn't really seem like a life ending emergency. Yeah, but, it was kind of a bummer. It was it was very much well anyway, yeah. It, it it was kind of like the weakest twist, I thought. Of the Yeah, yeah. So she's hanging off of this bridge and uh the people that were chasing her come running up to her and they help her up and then they just take her away and she's uh 
she's uh taken in uh to this to this uh like bunker area um where there's a uh there's like a plexiglass prison where these astronaut the astronaut dudes are like hanging out and uh yeah so like we meet uh Dr. Lennox who's uh who's a new character and is working with um working with these guys that are doing something with these astronaut guys and we're not really sure what's going on but it's the same people that were involved in the shootout with unit yes and there's this so that so so she's introduced to them and and, and she's like ah dr lennox you're you're a you're a coward and a traitor and he's just like i'm just doing my job um and she's uh it's all very upsetting for her um, and then <laughs> there's this bit where the doctor shows up and is talking to, um, is it, what's the guy's name? The, uh, the space, uh, like the NASA dude. What's his name? Oh, Dr. Um, the, the Carrington. One. No, that's general Carrington. Yeah, that's general. Uh, Cornish. Oh, right, right, right. That's right. Cornish is the, the space control guy. Cornish, right? Okay, so space con- the space control guy. He's talking. He's talking to the. Is it? Is he talking to the space control guy or or Carrington when he's like, uh, telling him like, oh, I think I, I might, I, I, I like, because like the doctor does this thing where he's like, he's sort of dorky, cool. Like it's this weird <laughs> yeah. move that only Pertwee has, where where he's like really cool. But he's like really dorky about like what he's talking about. Like I don't know how to describe this, but it's like only the third doctor does this move. Um it's sort of like his signature thing, but uh I don't know. So anyway He's like the Seth Cohen of doctors. <laughs> no, because like Seth Cohen's not cool. He's always just dorky, but you just like him for it. This is like he's like suave. So he's like the yeah. Ian Malcolm of doctors. Yes. That's correct. Ian Malcolm could totally pull off playing the third doctor, I would say, um, in most cases. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with, that, with that cape. Yeah. <laughs> He'd totally pull off the cape. Uh, so anyway, so uh, basically um, Carrington is like, okay, we can't find these astronauts. We can't um, find these astronauts. We can't find these astronauts, uh, and we think that they've been stolen by a foreign country. And the doctor is like, no, I don't think that that's true. I think the astronauts are still in space, and I think this message that you got, uh, that that we're getting, the impulses, um, that if I can decipher them, then we'll be able to figure out how to get the astronauts back. And uh, Carrington is uh, – is like, well, that's dumb, but you can go waste your time, whatever. And then the doctor leaves, and he's just like, hmm. He's got this look on his face like, he's on to me. Um, General Carrington. <laughs> um, so. Oh, I'd hate to hug you to death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the doctor comes in, and he's like talking to. So Cornish and Tautalian are uh, figuring out how to get the capsule into space um, without having to like, while also like cutting corners and stuff like the capsule that they're going to send 
to send the doctor into space with. And uh, the doctor comes in, he talks to Tautalian and they like make up. They're like buds now. And uh, Cornish is like, hey, so what's what's the deal? Where's Liz? And he's like, the doctor's like, I don't know. There's no news. We don't know where she is. Um, but he wants to use one of the computers so he can figure out uh, more about the impulses and stuff. And uh, then the phone rings and a voice on the other side of the phone uh, wants to talk to the doctor. So Cornish gives him the phone and the voice on the other side says to stop interfering with Liz or, or stop interfering with uh, this whole process or Liz will be killed. And <laughs> and they're like, they're like, stop trying to decode the message. Stop wanting to be a pilot. Stop doing all of the things you're doing. Just stop. Just stop. Knock it off. Or we're going to kill Liz. And the doctor's like, okie dokie. And then he hangs up and he's like, all right, so about that computer, I'm going to go decode that message. And Cornish is like, but they said they'd kill her. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. I wasn't that close to her anyway. I'm going to go decode this message. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so then uh, Liz is in that she's bunker. Not my grandkid. Don't I care? Yeah. Liz is in that bunker and she's helping Lennox. And uh, Lennox. Uh, Sends in the the um sends in the uh well first of all I want to go back to the bit where the doctor is like confronting Tatalian about like when when they make up or whatever and literally he pulls his finger out and uses it as a gun yeah and then comes around on the other side of Tatalian and is just like is is like you you aimed a gun at me and and Tatalian's like well I I'd never actually use it I would never shoot a fellow scientist. And the doctor's like, well, I guess you're all right then. And I'm like, is he? Is he all right? <laughs> he did aim a gun at you. Like, I don't. It's the scientist code, Scott. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so Lennox comes up with a plan to help Liz escape. So he's like, okay, you lock me inside the quarantine with the uh, with the with the astronauts that they're feeding radiation to because they they eat radiation. And uh, you lock me in quarantine in uh, one of these radiation suits and then you get out of there because they don't lock the door. And she's like, OK. So then she leaves, goes up, goes goes over to the road. Um, and then – and I just – I love that like I, – I, I don't know. Like she just – she like – she gets out of there and she like doesn't really know what to do. So she runs to the road and she's like, I know. I'll hitchhike back to unit. And it's like, I just walk. Like, why do you need to hitchhike? You're just, you're right outside the base where you were being held captive. Why would you hitchhike? They obviously all use these roads. So this car pulls up and it's Italian and he's got a gun. And he's like, I'm taking you back to where you belong. Um, and she's like, no, man, boiled again. Uh, so Italian is, uh, turns out he's working for the bad guys after all. Um, so, uh, yeah, so then, so, so at this time too, uh, the doctor, just before this, the doctor, he'd like cracked the code. Like he figured out what was being the message that was being sent and it's instructions to build like this device. And so he, he tells Tatalian that and, um, Tatalian is just like, uh, okay, I really don't think you should do this because... They're gonna they're gonna kill Liz and he's like, nah, I'm gonna build the thing. 
And he's like, unless you, unless someone, t- like, how would they even know? He's like, unless someone told them that. And Titanian's like, <laughs> ridiculous. Who would do that? Who would do, and he's do like, such yes. a thing? Who would be so unkind to you? Yeah. And he's like, yes. Who would do that? Indeed. And Titanian's like, oh, he's on to me. Um, everyone's very nervous about the doctor being on to them in general. Uh, Pertwee's an unsettling presence. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the doctor is like, all right, so you can either confess to me or you can be interrogated by the brigadier, whatever. And uh, Titania is like, mm, I'm not, I don't know what you're talking about. And then that's when he leaves and goes and picks up Liz. Um, I gotta go pick up my Liz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then uh Italian shows up where Regan is the like the the commander of these dudes and Regan is like okay look we have this little box and if I push the little box thing it's like kind of like a game video game controller if I push up they move forward if I push back they move back and left and right you get the point he's like so I got this thing but that's all I can do is like you know play a side scroller with these things I really <laughs> want to give them more specific commands and so they listen to radiation so if we can build something that can send more complex messages through radiation then i can control them completely and we can do whatever it is that we want to do and italian's like that's seems crazy and he's like "Eh, is it (laughs) and he's like okay (laughs) so Everyone, I it's it's so funny because everyone in that Regan is very confident about this whole thing. Yes, and the general, as we'll learn later, the general is really into his plan. But Tatalian is doing all of this, and I don't really know why. He's just is, and I don't know that he even really knows why. Which is so weird. He just wants um, some people. That just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, apparently, I don't know. Um, so, so yeah, so basically, uh, Liz is, um, still like determined to escape. So she's like, I'm going to try it again. It's like, well, that's all right, Liz, um, settle down. Go. Uh, but although Liz is very, is it, is it in this episode that she's like really mouthy? Um, where <laughs> she's she- really great. Yeah, where she like pushes uh, Lennox to try instead, or is that? Yeah, I think that's this one. It might be the next one, though. I don't know. Yeah, and there and somebody says enough with the back chat or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's really she's got like a Princess Leia thing going on in this (laughs) story. That's kind of cool. And episode four, Princess Leia. Right, and if Liz was like this all the time. She would be like the best companion. Like she'd be phenomenal. Who do you think was the sassiest companion? Oh. Um That's a good question. Ace? Yeah, probably. Either I would say either Ace or um Or Tegan. Well, Tegan wasn't sassy so much as she was just like whiny. Yeah. I would say either Ace or um, Leela. Because, like, Leela was pretty sassy in her own way. Yeah. 
you know, like it's not what we would think of as sass, but like because she's like this, like you know, savage, like crazy woman. Yeah, when uh, they stopped war- doing the woman. the Eliza Doolittle thing, like, yeah, it's sassy. Yeah, right. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eliza Doolittle. I mean that. I mean, it's My Fair Lady. That that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, so. Uh, Regan gives Tatalian a bomb to kill the doctor, like a suitcase bomb. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna set it for 15 minutes, and so you're gonna you're gonna get in a room with the doctor. You're gonna turn it on. You're gonna leave it in the room with the doctor. You're gonna leave. It's gonna blow up 15 minutes later and kill the doctor, and then all of our problems are are gone. Uh, Explodey go boom. And then Tatalian's like, yes, yes. And he turns around and then Regan turns the timer from 15 to zero. And he's like, all right, here you go. And Tatalian's like, excellent. All right, I'm going to, I will definitely, I will definitely kill the doctor. This is going to be great. (laughs) So then, uh, so then, yeah, at this point, like Cornish is like trying to put this plan together to get this capsule up into space to now not just save two astronauts, but save a third that they lost. And he's like, God, all of the astronauts have been transferred to Sir James. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then this is the point where the doctor is like, I'll pilot it. He's like, what do you know about piloting spaceships? And the doctor's like, I'll have you know, I know more about space than you'll ever know. You jerk. I, I can take more pressure than you. My body yeah. can handle more pressure than you. Yeah, and all of the all of the astronauts have been transferred to Sir James because, as it as it stands, is that actually Sir James is in on this whole thing as well? The old Earth, uh, bitch. Everyone, everyone is just in on this plan. It's oh, such, it's so weird. Oh, being uh, glass. Very political conspiracy going on again. Very, very much in the vein of what we were talking about. Uh, I forgot. Cast cast turned a really cool turn of turn of phrase last week, but I can't remember what it was. Political thriller? But it was oh, like space. Oh, uh, like space. I forget. Space. Procedural? Uh, space espionage. Space espionage. Space espionage. Yeah. And yeah, and then very much in the vein of this past season where we had a lot of uh, the doctor working with unit again. Yeah. I like the doctor um, with unit. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so, so yeah, so the doctor is like, yeah, I'll pass whatever test you need. Like, I'm going to do this. And, and, uh, Cornish is like, well, I don't, I mean, I don't really have any other options. Um, so then Tatalian comes back and, uh, he goes into a room and the doctor follows him there. And he's like, Hey, so remember what we talked about, about you coming clean and me not telling the brigadier. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll keep thinking about it. Uh, but I need to go to my car and get some uh, information. He sets the bomb to explode. But because the timer is set to zero, it just explodes instantly. <laughs> he just turns it on. Ah! Like, There's like sparks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> no chill. Yeah. No. So anyway, it's Italian's dead. Um, and, we hardly uh, knew where you were from. Yeah. So Italian's dead. And... The brigadier and the doctor are like going through the debris in the lab, and uh, the doctor's got this like great band aid on his face, 
um, from getting cut up by the debris of the explosion, uh, which is a super minor explosion, all things considered. Right. Like it's uh, – I, I mean I really feel like Tatalian's only dead by luck well, because he a, just happened to be right in front of it. It's a BBC size explosion. Yeah, but I mean even without seeing the, the explosion, looking at the debris, it really wasn't that bad. Right. You know? It was like pretty – as far as explosions go, it was a pretty chill explosion. It was like a <laughs> – it was like a like a science fair project gone wrong kind of explosion. Um. So, so yeah. So Sir James is talking to to General Carrington. He's like, "Look, I've done everything I can to block Cornish's flight, but I I can't do anything else. Like I pulled all the astronauts out. He found another astronaut. Like I I did all I could, but I can't I can't do anything else. Like why don't you just tell them the truth?" And Carrington's like, "I I can't do that. I can't do that." He's like, "But if you told them the truth." They won't send the capsule into space, and he said that it could lead to a disaster for the entire world. And Carrington's like, "Yeah, I know, I can't do it." <laughs> Sir James is like, "God damn it, <laughs> this general, God." Um. So then, uh, an astronaut. So like, so okay, so Regan is bummed out that the doctor survived, uh, but you know it's his own fault for not following the plan. <laughs> I would say, uh, and making a weak ass bomb. Um, right. Yeah, I know. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, you want, if you're wanting them to not send the shuttle up, I mean, you got all that jet fuel. I'm sure that can make some really great bomb stuff. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, shuttle fuel, whatever, whatever, all of that fuel they were talking about, mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of chemical po- compound compound names. I don't know what they, what they were. Um, you know, like they're like they're like, uh, yes, uh, we've got we've got two tanks of like R thirty seven. You're like, what does that mean? I don't, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, um, so, uh, yeah, so he he um, Regan sets up the astronauts, the the little the little cosmonaut dudes with no faces. Uh, he sets them up, and he's like, all right, I got this controller. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna send them on a mission. So then the one one of the astronauts approaches a military base and they fire on it, but it like keeps going and it like radiates the fence and kills the guard and uh, walks in to the the to the inside area and starts killing all the workers inside. And uh, a guard finds a machine gun, but like the astronaut still kills him. And then at the same time, uh, the doctor, uh, the doctor finds, uh, or or yeah, d- is found that the the device that he is building translates the alien impulses into human speech, and so he's like, he's like, oh, so like, if we if this little piece does this, like, I could build the rest of the machine. Could probably do a bunch of stuff, and. But I need all of my parts. And the Brigadier's like, look, most of these parts we're getting in from Japan. And, like, this is the 70s, dude. This stuff takes time. Like, calm yourself. You're the one with the TARDIS. Go pick it up yourself. Um, but, of course, his TARDIS doesn't work. So he's got he's to gotta, he's gotta wait for his parts the long way around. Um, hey, oh. Hey, oh. Like the music. 
<laughs> so then uh, the phone rings and it's Sir James for the doctor because he's he's going to try and tell the doctor the truth about everything um, to stop him from piloting the capsule because it's the last thing that Sir James can do to stop the thing from going up. And the doctor agrees, but the brigadier is like, I'm going to come with you. And he's like, okay. So the astronaut, it turns out that the astronaut at the military base is actually at Sir James's military base. And he walks into the office. He kills Sir James. And then the uh, he he goes into the safe in Sir James's office. He uses radiation to like bust it open and blows up all of everything inside the safe. And then the doctor comes in. He's like, oh, no, Sir James, you're dead. And as he's like checking him out, the astronaut starts coming at him from behind. He's gonna kill him next. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, um, it, it's kind of a bummer. We were just talking about how good the the twists were in the first three parts, and I feel like this is the first kind of standard Doctor Who cliffhanger. You know, I really like the angle that it's at, though. Yes, I just wish that the payoff. Because when we get to episode five, like the payoff of episode five of this cliffhanger isn't even a payoff of this cliffhanger because they reshoot it. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's not even – it doesn't even play out the same way. It's kind of cheating. <laughs> yeah. 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 A lot of it, I would say. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so speaking of part five. Yeah. So yeah. So this astronaut, this impossible astronaut is bearing down on <laughs> – is is coming closer to the doctor. It kind of reminds me almost of that um, that poster for the the thing remake. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the brigadier comes in and shoots it. He's like, "Nope, not my bay," and like just kills the astronaut. Uh, he's putting hands on my bay. <laughs> so the brigadier's like, "I see, Joe Knife. It's all right." And uh, then the astronaut that's turns. A, that's a real Santa Maria. Am I right, guys? Yeah. Ot three. <laughs> Ot three. For real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Dad's head G. Wait, what is it? Dad had me. Mom said G. This is a joke for no one. Uh, this is us. If you want... <laughs> this is for us. This is us. This is for us. Oh. Big oh three. My God. So uh, then the astronaut's like, who's shooting at me? And then tries to attack the brigadier. Then it escapes and just, kill, just kills a random unit soldier. Man, the unit soldiers are just – that's what? Like 13? Is this, is this episode – is this the introduction of Benton? Um, In I, this episode? I don't know. Have we – I can't remember if we've seen him before. I don't – I don't know. I, I can't remember. If we have, it's like I, another bit part like this because he has like five lines. Yeah. But he has that phone conversation with Brigadier later. Yeah. In the story. Uh, but yeah, in this one, he just like walks in, takes orders and walks out. But it's still, it's Benton. I think this might be. I think earlier on we met Yates first, like Captain Yates. Yeah. But Benton, Benton's the man. Yeah. 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 I love Benton. Benton. Yeah. He's like the, he's like the deputy Dewey of uh unit. Oh, cool. <laughs> so he, so he doesn't, he never dies. Yeah. Nice. Correct. Um, have you started watching the Scream series yet? No. Okay. I don't know why I asked you that. I know you don't um, have the time. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, it's really good. Anyway, so uh, so the astronaut actually like um, like laser beams the lock and melts it, and so like they're locked in. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, um, 
Liz is starting to wonder if maybe the astronauts aren't human and questions Lennox, Lennox as to whether or not Regan is in charge. Lennox is like, no, actually, Regan answers to someone <coughs> higher up. And so Liz <laughs> tells Lennox um, that she has a plan for him to escape. Meanwhile, the brigadier and the uh, shows the doctor the bullets that he fired at the astronaut. The bullets are actually dented. Um, so the doctor's like, oh, it must be some kind of force for you, brigadier. Brigadier's like, oh, good job, darling. No, no, no. I, I love – as much as I, as much as I don't want to sweep under the rug, you, you having the brigadier called the doctor darling. Um, That's why. Because I'm, I'm into it. But uh, the – the my favorite brigadier moment, at least in this episode, maybe in the whole story, I don't know. But my favorite brigadier moment is just like the doctor's like, look at these bullets. I'm like, oh, what what could cause that? And he's like, yeah, some kind of force field, I guess. He can't you can't shoot him with bullets. And he's and the, and the brigadier goes, oh, so they're unstoppable then. <laughs> <laughs> and the doctor's like, well, I mean, you can stop him with things other than bullets. So basically, they're unstoppable. <laughs> He's like, hey, we should just give up. Should just give up. I can't shoot him. What, Doc, what, Doc, what, what else is there? I know. How am I supposed to solve this problem? I can't shoot it. I don't know what to you pray to, Doctor, but I, I, I pray to this. And he holds up his gun. Oh. This is what I believe in. Oh, it's so good. I love it. <laughs> he's uh, he's weirdly he's kind of he's very American in that way. Yeah, he's a lot like. Well, he's a lot like um, – I would be surprised if uh, Nick Frost's character on Spaced wasn't somewhat based oh on Brigadier. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. The mustache. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the hat. With the – yeah. With the guns. The whole thing. Also the um, the villain in Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> you could be the Brigadier. Yeah. The and villain in Jumanji. <laughs> same actor that played Alan's Parrish's father. Layers. His greatest. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. His greatest yeah. fear was his father. Right. And also being hunted by a uh, safari guy. Yeah. Englishman, I guess. Colonialism. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, so a unit soldier says that there's strong traces of radiation Leading outside the building, um, the brigadiers said that. Um, oh, so the astronaut must have uh, must have been collected by a vehicle because it just stops, right? You know what I mean? So uh, the brigadier wonders why all this is happening, and then maybe it's some kind of conquest. And the doctor says, maybe that's what we're supposed to think. You s- stupid, stupid man. <laughs> Meanwhile, the astronaut, the astronaut, the astronaut uh, returns to the lab. Meanwhile, Cornish is explaining the capsule to the doctor. He explains that because all the blocks are uh, already established before Sir James died, uh, they actually have to mix standard fuel with a type of fuel named M3, which has never been used before. Um, the doctor's medical report is presented to Cornish, and he's like, this is weird. And the doctor's like, yeah, it's <laughs> quite. <laughs> quite weird. <laughs> It's like, your 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 lungs are where? Like, Never mind. <laughs> it's fine. Let it happen. Just, just be cool with it. The astronaut the astronaut collapses as soon as it's uh, in quarantine, and then Lennox has to re radiate it. Uh, a lot of this is a very radiation heavy episode. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, yeah, that's like the whole plot point. Yeah, it's true. Um, so Liz asks Regan what's, uh, what, what it's been doing. And Regan says that, um, it's been killing off all of her unit friends. And then, um, once he leaves, Liz accuses Lennox of facilitating the murder. Uh, Liz says Lennox should go to the brigadier and that she can help him talk his way out of it. Meanwhile, Jenny, <laughs> general Karen. Can we, can we talk about, I just want to, I just want to pause for a second. Please. Because I need to talk about Liz's sweater and how much I want to touch it. Okay. That's all I can think about. The whole time I'm watching this. Like, it's so fuzzy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, definitely. It's really fuzzy. It does. It looks... I I don't know. I don't like fuzzy sweaters. I don't like... I don't like... I don't like the idea of wearing something that's, like, prickly. No, I mean, I wouldn't want to wear it, but I want to... I want to, like, find it it in a store and, like, touch it. That's Mm -hmm. so weird. Is it? You don't you don't like touching soft things? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't understand. It was really distracting because I just Oh my god. I don't know. Just like walk up to someone and be like, Your sweater looks really soft. Can I pet it? Well what? no, he's like you know he's talking about it hanging on like a rack. Oh, okay. Yeah, like at a store. Like I wanna find her sweater and I wanna pet it. <laughs> Like uh, like Heath Ledger in Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Totally, totally same context. Yeah. Um, it's a good movie. Did you see that um, Ang Lee passed on directing the Mulan movie? I did. That doesn't surprise me. That would have been interesting. Eh. Oh, well, I, I, I think I like Ang Lee better than you do. Yeah. I like I I probably like at least twenty five Asian directors more for Mulan. They're going to say you like twenty five Ang Lee movies, and like, that's a lot. <laughs> I only like like twenty five, like everything he's done except for Hulk <laughs> and parts of Hulk. <laughs> oh man, um, no, I'm not a fan. Uh, I can't. I can't. Um, oh, you know what'd be really good is Zhang Yumo. Who's that? He directed uh, Hero, House of Flying Daggers, and um, that that Great Wall movie that's coming out. Yeah, he would be good. Mm-hmm. He's, he's brilliant. Anyways, any who's. So Ke- General Carrington enters Space Center and tries to uh, stop the launch of the capsule. Cornish points out that uh, he can't do that because he's only a General Carrington and not a Supreme Admiral Carrington. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just pictured a Care Bear, but a Care Bear that's dressed like um, Ben Mendelsohn in Rogue One. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Um, so Carrington says that uh, he's... Build-A-Bear pre- isn't selling that bear. They are missing out on a <laughs> yeah. major opportunity. <laughs> oh, I'm General to- Barrington. General Barrington. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> The Death Star will be completed on schedule. <laughs> Man, we haven't even heard uh, what uh, Ben Mendelsohn's going to sound like in that movie. Have we not? No, I don't think he's had any lines. What? Yeah. Well, there's a new trailer out tomorrow. Well, oh, yeah. Did you can see that poster? Yes. Looks tight. First, uh, first poster, uh, first painted poster that they've ever done. Nice. Of the new uh, movies. First painted poster, like official, real painted poster I've seen in a really long time, actually, mm-hmm. in general. Remember that uh, 
remember that uh, that uh, oh, who's the guy? Who's the who's the poster guy? The really famous. Uh, Struzan. Yeah, did didn't Struzan do like a limited edition Force Awakens one? Yeah, but it only had like one character on it or two characters on it. It was like a really simplistic one. It wasn't yeah. in the style of his normal posters. Yeah, it looked weird. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't as exciting as I had hoped it would be, and then yeah. it wasn't a real poster, it was like a Comic Con mini poster. Mm-hmm. I hope they do um it'd be gonna be funny if they did for when Dark Tower comes out, they just do the poster that he did for the mist. <laughs> well, that'd be pretty great. Right. Anyway, so he so, uh, so so General Carrington thinks that this is all the work of an alien invasion with the collaboration of a foreign power. Uh, the doctor says that that doesn't explain why you're against it. And Carrington says, well, I believe that the capsule should carry a nu- nuclear warhead instead. And doctor's like, of course, of course, that's your, <laughs> of course, that's your answer to something. You're a human army person. Uh, Carrington says that he's going to take the objection to the highest level. Um, you know what I like about about the plot of this story following the Silurians is that the Silurians ends with Brigadier blowing up all of the Silurians just for the sake of it. Yeah, right. very, very kind of um, xenophobic. Yeah. Yeah, kind of move. And the doctor doesn't like it. No. And then this story is all about a general, a xenophobic general wanting to send a nuke to go blow up whatever whatever this thing is yeah so the doctor's objections to it like kind of mean more yeah like he's just like god this again and it's also a thing where it's like earning the doctor's like the brigadier earning the doctor's trust again yeah because the brigadier is on his side this time Mm -hmm. yeah i think Um, it's supposed to show like character development and make him a little more likable after blowing up all the lizard people Right. I really like that. That's good. Because you don't see a lot of... A lot of, like, uh, dramatic continuity in Doctor Who. Right. Very mu- classic Who very much. Sure, so like, like the dramatic stuff carrying over. Right. So it's, like, it's really nice seeing this story as an answer to the previous one. Sort of. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, like, starting to be like, hey, this doesn't have to just be something that's on... Before the football game. Right. Uh, yeah. So the astronaut is recovering. Liz and Lennox are arguing. Um, Liz tells Lennox to well, Liz tells Lennox to tell the guard that um, they need more isotopes and that he needs to see Reagan. Uh, Lennox tries, but the door is locked. So Liz makes up a story about the astronauts dying and convinces the guard that that's true. Uh, so, so Lennox still isn't able to leave, but Liz convinces him that uh, the death of the astronauts will be on his hands if it happens. And then Lennox also adds that he's not a prisoner and the guard is convinced and frees Lennox. Yes. Meanwhile, the capsule is ready and the doctor is summoned to uh, be part of the preparation room. And the brigadier asks the doctor why the launch time isn't brought forward. And the doctor says that it's, uh, it's like his, it's like a, it's an effort to thwart Carrington's, uh, Annihilation plan. Um, One of my favorite parts of the John Pertwee era is his uh, how John Pertwee is treated like a like a Barbie that has like different outfits. Yeah, in each story, and like you know, last story we got uh, we got uh, tunnel digging doctor, mm-hmm. uh, and now in this story we get cosmonaut doctor. Yeah, I'm into it. 
I really I love Pertwee in other costumes. I just love that he gets bored of wearing his outfit and he's just like, I want to wear other things. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. Like he'll be like a nurse. Yeah. Oh, he gets really fun ones later on. Nice. He, he he dresses up as something else almost every story, at least once. Does he ever dress up as a cowboy? I don't think so. No. No. So uh, Sergeant Benton calls for the brigadier and says that a man named Lennox is desperate to see him. And uh, he's like freaked the F out. And uh, the brigadier tells Benton to uh, put Lennox in the cell until he has a chance to speak with him. So Lennox is now in the cell and he like makes the guard like lock the door because he just doesn't feel safe. The doctor's ready for the launch. Uh, the brigadier and the doctor. Uh, well, Benton. Benton. Sorry. Yeah. Benton, Benton locks him in the cell. Yeah. Oh, okay. Benton. Yeah. And so. Uh, Deputy Benton. Yeah. Deputy Benton. The, the, the Woodboro's finest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the doctor's getting ready for launch. He shares a tender goodbye with the brigadier and uh, proceeds. They sing "Leaving on a Jet Plane" together, and um, <laughs> you know he proceeds. <laughs> there's the, the, there's like an amazing that amazing shot of like of uh, the doctor sitting and like waiting for the shuttle to land launch and getting really impatient. And they do this amazing thing where they turn the camera sideways so. It looks like it looks like you're standing straight, looking at the doctor, like sitting in the shuttle, which is pointed up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a really cool shot. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. This, this whole episode looks has some really cool, like just camera work, which is really surprising. Um, yeah. So yeah, so Reagan is uh, is mad at the guard for letting Lennox go. The guard blames it on Liz because everything's Liz's fault. Uh, Regan grabs her. And puts the gun to Regan's head, demanding to know where he went. Um, Liz says he went to go see the Brigadier. And then Regan rushes to the phone and calls someone. Um, and he says that they're there to take care of Lennox. And that uh, while well, he takes care of the doctor. Meanwhile. This is that moment. This is that moment where uh, after Regan is like, okay, so first of all, two things are wrong with this scenario. So first, Regan has a gun to Liz's head. And he's like, answer my question. And Liz answers his question. Yeah. No, Liz. What are you doing? He has a gun to your head. You just gave your only reason for him to keep you alive. <laughs> you just gave it away. Lucky for you, Regan is an idiot and just like th- tosses her aside. And then this other guy catches her. And and what what is it that what is it that uh, the guy says where he's just like don't don't move or whatever? And then she's like she's like oh it's all right I won't hurt you. Yeah, he was like, "Don't." And I'm like, "Liz is such a badass." Oh, it's so good. <laughs> God, mouthing off to everybody, it's awesome. How anyway. metal would it be if right in the middle of this episode, just Liz dies? <laughs> that uh, that does happen at some point. Not with Liz, but with, like with a different. I was gonna companion. say, like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, that does that does happen with yeah, another companion. Liz just dies. Point, so. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so Cornish is uh, performing an instrument check on the capsule. The doctor is getting just more and more impatient. And um, then there's like, hey, we're still 33 minutes away from the launch. And the doctor's like, why did I even get in this suit if I had that much time left? So we still <laughs> fuel is taking a long time to load. And then they have to get the balance right. And there's all this dumb NASA stuff. And so meanwhile, a man tries to infiltrate the space setter dressed as a mechanic. 
he knocks another unit guard unconscious and begins to climb the scaffolding. Uh, then he, he like just kicks a worker that tries to stop him, and then he begins to turn the valves of the launch pad. So a fuel injection malfunction registers in the space center, and Cornish is like, oh, that's weird, but then he rectifies it. Um, the man is still making his way toward the launch pad, just, just knocking out workers left and right, like Dracula and Monster Squad. Uh, he turns a large <laughs> valve on the cylinder. And, uh, yeah, I didn't expect to hear about Monster Squad tonight. Um, and he climbs higher and higher. And uh, just turning on valves as he goes, kind of just like not even, I don't know, like it doesn't even seem like he's doing anything like on purpose. Like he's just like, just like screwing around. So uh, food is brought to Lennox. Um, as the guard leaves, he implores like, please lock the door. He takes the lid off the food and finds an isotope. Horror- this is a, this is a terrible practical joke. <laughs> Surprise yeah, you know, the radiation. Old- here's, here's, yeah, here's your dinner. The casserole. Yep, you have stomach cancer. Yeah, radiation surprise, sucker. <laughs> hey, tool. So the brigadier finds a groggy soldier that uh, that guy knocked out. There's a guy. He's pushing all the valves. He goes, "Wow, time." And he, he wheels in. He wheels in the dinner dish, and it's like a whole like silver platter thing. Yeah. Yeah. God, and he just like he pulls off the dish. It pulls off like the lid off the silver platter and just reveals the the isotope and it's like I I just I he he just he looked so ready for a good meal. <laughs> Weirdly. It's, just, it's yeah. He's like, well, at least I can eat. Nope, cancer. Nope. No. It's a real Jared I Leto just, prank. I'm, every minute I'm in here, I'm losing a year of my life. <laughs> and I'm already like thirty. Yeah, this is bad. So uh, the rocket 30 in the 70s, that's like 50. Yeah, it's true. So so the rocket takes off the jock, the the doctor. Wow. The doctor. (laughs) That's not inaccurate. The doctor. Doctor who? Actually, that's that's what I want you to call the doctor when we eventually get around to uh, uh, talking about the. uh, Oh, man. What is the name of that episode? The Tenant? What is the episode called? The Lodger. Lodger. Yeah. Oh yeah, where he plays soccer. Yeah, because yeah, he plays. Yeah, because he play, plays football. Yeah, he's, and he's really good at it. Yeah, you gotta call him the Doctor. Yeah, no doctor should be good at sports. Yeah. So, um, the Doctor is sustaining just a stupid amount of G force, and the rocket speed is twenty percent higher than it should be, and uh, the fuel oh, burn. God, best best pert we face ever. <laughs> Because he's making the face, but also getting his cheeks blown apart. Yeah, so it's and like, like trying to speak. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, it's amazing. Tell Brigadier I love you. <laughs> I know, Doctor. <laughs> I always knew. He's like a single tear going down the Brigadier's like face. Yeah. <laughs> right, shame, little boy. <laughs> Think of you, think of you fondly. <laughs> Damn near love the man. <laughs> My God, I've never seen him this emotional before. <laughs> Damn near love the man. <laughs> so they, so they're trying. To, <laughs> I hope those are his final words in that nursing home. Oh. Damn you love the man. 
I've never heard a more perfect line of freaking your dialogue. <laughs> and that's like the and that's like the highest compliment he's ever given anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, near it. <laughs> this close. Not quite. Not as much as I love the Queen. <laughs> and country. And country. <laughs> Winston Churchill. Oh my god! <laughs> so, um, so the fuel burn's not reducing, and the doctor's gonna like blow himself up. So Cornish implores the doctor to try and let the fuel burn naturally, but the heat has been corrupted. So the rocket is now thirty-seven percent higher than it should be. The doctor tells the doctor tells Cornish to jettison stage one of the rocket. But Cornish says that that would mean that the doctor would struggle to even get into orbit. And the doctor's like, and so Cornish orders the jettison and stabilizes the rocket. And so then at that point, the doctor is informed that there is a saboteur aboard the thing. So uh, Lander <laughs> Cornish. Which I just I just love because I want I just feel like the doctor would just be like, oh, 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 really? Oh, is really? That right. Good. I was hoping, I was wondering if this was all completely your fault. Right. <laughs> oh, is there a saboteur? <laughs> Good. You guys aren't inept as crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Cornish is directing a very chill doctor towards Marm Pro 7. Um, the doctor links the capsule to the probe and unlocks himself and is ready to move into the probe. Cornish warns the doctor, um, to like be calm, but the doctor's like, dude, I was born calm. I regenerated calm. You need to step off. And then as he opens the hatch, uh, Cornish warns of a UFO that is in collision with the doctor and orders evasive action. The doctor looks out the window and sees a large red disc quickly, well, quickly with quotation marks approaching him. <laughs> the classic who version of a quickly. Yeah. And uh, that's where the episode ends. Yeah. Something's coming for him. Something wicked this way comes. Yeah. 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 Um, so, spoilers, it's a spaceship. Um, it's an alien spaceship. <laughs> and they, like, beam the doctor aboard. And the there's this voice. That, that, that scene where, where he's, like, he's outside the ship and he's, like, looking at this, like, crazy tunnel thing. Yeah. And it's literally walking toward the light. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's very 70s. Like... That's seventies uh, who in a nutshell, I think. It's a good effect though, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I mean cool. I know he's obviously walking like on a solid like green screen kind of thing, but uh it looks like they drew the overlay really well, so it it looks correct when he's walking. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like, slightly off. Right. It looks like he's actually walking on it. They did a really good job. I also like that the design isn't like standard 70s, like very white, pristine sci-fi. It's just weird red oval intestine thing. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's um, good. It's kind of Star Trek-y, to be honest. Yeah. Like OG like Star Trek. Cl- right. Classic Star Trek. Yeah. That's what it looks like to me. TOS. <laughs> good. This is – you know what's crazy is that – this episode is post the entirety of Star Trek. Oh my god. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. The War Games is post Star Trek. Yeah, a lot of it is. 
Yeah. Oh my god. Anyway, that's yeah, crazy. Nuts. Yeah, I mean, it only lasted what three seasons? Four seasons? Right. Yeah, three, three seasons. Three. Big three. Sixty-six to sixty-nine. Yeah. Yeah. Dad it's... had me. Mom said G. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that coming. That, that, uh, that number is ruined forever. OCP3. <laughs> well, it used to be, I, you know, we, we should at least be making the joke of the power of three, right? That's true. At least oh, it's at least yeah. beyond brand. Yeah, at least beyond brand. Come on. <laughs> the power of three. <sighs> the love of my life and my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, accurate. So this alien in spaceship kind of eats the the Mars probe. Um, he gets beamed aboard, and this voice is telling him to open the hatch, and he's he'll be fine, whatever. Um, and he the the alien explains that the humans are being held aboard the uh, alien spaceship, um, and the alien asks the doctor about. Uh, the alien ambassadors and the doctor's like what what are you what are you talking about this that's what that's what they are and the alien's like well i'm gonna keep you hostage uh and unless the ambassadors show up we're gonna blow up the earth or you know just destroy the earth um because that solves everything um so (laughs) i mean they're not wrong yeah but why would you blow up the planet with your i don't know so they they revenge Revenge. <laughs> I'm going to kill these three guys that I cared so much about. No, they damn near loved them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but duty is duty, Kat. <laughs> I guess so. Look, love is one thing, but queen and country is quite enough. <laughs> but glorp, glorp, and planet. Glorp and planet. <laughs> glorp and home world. Um, world and all that. So, <laughs> you know, Globe Globe Home World. <laughs> Damn near love them. Damn near love them all. <laughs> Bring the boy. <laughs> Brigadier's just like, I like these guys. Uh, I understand them. Um, <sighs> so these, the, the aliens in the astronaut suits were, were sent to Earth to kind of, uh, you know, establish a peace treaty and Mankind is terrible at peace treaties, so the uh, the terms of the agreement have been broken because uh, the ambassadors are being held hostage. Um, so the doctor uh, is very quick to kind of avoid uh, global catastrophe. So he he's like, okay, so I give you my personal guarantee, like Scout's honor, that I'm going to go back to Earth and I'm going to tell them that we messed up and I'm going to send you your guys back, and it'll be fine. Chill. And the alien's like, oh, okay. Um, but there's this, like, really weird scene where the the doctor, like, he sees the three astronauts, and they've been, like, brainwashed. And I don't know what they're watching on their, like, fake television, but is it, like... I don't know. It's weird. So they, the the the. No, it's like a game. Like they're playing like pong or something. Oh. Yeah, because they were all like they were all like, like egging one of the guys on, and they have like controllers. Oh. 
Okay, I thought they were watching like a soccer game or something, like a fake soccer game. Oh, I don't I, know because they didn't sh- they didn't really show the TV and the TV looked off, so I just assumed it was like some kind of like pong. Or, yeah, because it's Cause, like pong has like a dark screen, you know. Yeah, it. Well, yeah. I don't know if pong is invented yet. Well, I don't. I don't know. It's like nineteen seventy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's literally pong. Yeah, They're yeah, playing yeah. like some kind of alien video game thing. I don't know. Um, but they Maybe they not. they think they're at, like already back on Earth. So the doctor's like, "Oh, okay, I gotta I gotta fix this." Um, so the doctor they comes. They're in quarantine. Yeah. Um, so the doctor comes back down to Earth, and the brigadier's like, "Oh, I need to go to him." Um, <laughs> but Cornish is like, "Hold up, he needs to go through decontamination." And the brigadier's like, "Oh, how long does that take?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, about an hour." And the brigadier's like really outraged uh, that he has to wait an hour um to be reunited right <laughs> um and the doctor is, is also very impatient uh but my special boy um <laughs> 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 uh, but when when he um when he's touched down regan uh one of regan's uh is it regan or like just this dude that's working for him uh like floods the chamber with gas um, I can't remember which one of the, if if it's literally Regan or not. I don't know, but he's busy. He's a busy guy. Yeah. Uh, so oh, the on. doctor gets knocked out uh, with this gas and kidnapped, and uh, the doctor like wakes up in Liz's lap or something, or like that's what they angle. It was weird. Um, and Regan, Regan's like, well, you know, I was supposed to kill him, but I think he's better kept alive. Uh, than dead. So that's why he's here, so he can help me uh, figure out what these aliens are good for, aside from robbing banks. And the, 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 like the master plan, I guess, or the, like the, the mastermind behind all this is finally revealed, and it's uh, General Carrington shows up, and he's just like, hey, you were supposed to kill this guy. And Regan's like, yeah, but he's smart. He's smarter than me. And he's like, I don't pay you to think. Um, and so Carrington pulls a gun on the doctor and says, it's my moral duty to kill you. And the <laughs> the cliffhanger is just this gun barrel. And it's yeah. like we were talking about last week with the James Bond. It's like the James Bond shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's the end of episode six. It's his moral duty. It's my moral duty. Uh, So... Episode seven begins with Regan telling Carrington that they actually need the doctor because they need his scientific ability to finish the machine that they're going to make. And uh, General's like, all right. And the doctor is like, "Okay, can you explain to me what is going on exactly? And the general's like, "Okay, so look, I'm super racist, like (laughs) really, really racist. (laughs) Things that are different from me scare me, like terrify me on a very base personal level. And so what I wanted to do was I'm going to control these guys, right? So these guys came down, freaked me out. Now I want to control them, make them do bad stuff so everyone knows that aliens do bad stuff. Then because they'll know that aliens do bad stuff – They'll allow me to blow them out of the sky and then we won't have to worry about them at all. I'm going to tell like, everyone that the aliens have been sending emails on a private server. <laughs> right. 
And, and the doctor's like, but you're making them do the bad stuff. And General's like, yeah. It's like, but if you're making them do this, they came in peace. And you're making them do bad stuff to prove your point? And he's like, yes, but aren't you just doing the bad stuff? No, they are. But you're making them do the bad stuff. Yes, but they're the ones doing it to prove a point. And I was like, okay, this guy's insane. Oh, my God. Um, and he's like, he's like, okay, but how are you going to tell the world about them? And he's like, ah, see, remember that reporter who was talking about the space shuttle launch in the first episode? He's back. He's back and he's doing a TV special about <laughs> who's got two thumbs and is going to have his own TV special. <laughs> this guy. So he's going to go on live TV. He's going to unmask one of these astronauts and he's going to be like, look, aliens. <laughs> and also they're evil because they're killing all these people. It's really messed up. Let's blow them out of the sky. Uh, so – so that's his whole like evil plan and uh, the reason that he hates – he hates aliens is as it turns out, he piloted the Mars Probe 6 and when they made contact with aliens, his co-pilot, this guy named Jim, go Jimmy, the uh, only love the general ever had. Jimmy, Jim, Jim, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was uh, he was killed by the aliens and uh, and you know – General Carrington, he he damn near cared about the guy, so <laughs> now he hates aliens. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's this whole thing where they're just gonna they're gonna they're gonna frame the ambassadors uh, to to like you know get public opinion down on aliens. This is whole master plan. Um. So, yeah, so the doctor is like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to build this device. Uh, the general's like, okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to borrow one of these ambassadors for my video, and it's going to be cool. Uh, so then general takes one ambassador for his video, and Regan takes the rest for whatever he's doing. Then we go to the live TV broadcast, and, okay, so can I just say that some, one moment, and I'm probably an idiot, but it's one of those things, you know those things where you just sort of accept some things at face value and you never question why. And then 31 years into your life, you find out the reason why something is the way it is. And you go, oh, really? That's what it is? Yeah. <laughs> so I had one of those moments okay. in this story. And it was that I had no idea – that SOS stood for Save Our Souls. Oh, yeah. Had no idea. I, I thought I'm... it was – I always thought it was ship. <laughs> save, save our, our ship. ship. Yeah, save our ship. <laughs> yeah, save our souls. SOS. Huh. Did not know that. That blew my mind. So, yeah, uh, the doctor – It's really good the, Amazon. The doctor builds a machine and he starts uh, SOSing with it. Um and uh, on the unit, uh, like, radio feed or whatever, and they're like, SOS? Nobody's used that for, like, 20 years. And I'm like, come on, Benton, really? 20 years? 20 no years. one has used SOS in 20 years, really? 1950? Yeah, come on. Um, but, uh, yeah, apparently it's an outdated thing. 
which is weird because why do we all know about it if it's so outdated? Right. Huh? Yeah. Explain that, Benton. <laughs> Punk. Explain that. Stupid. Anyway, it's probably because of the movie Titanic. Let's be honest. Um, I always equate it with um, people stranded on an island. Yeah. Really? Yeah, like huh. SOS. Like drawing SOS in the sand or with rocks. Yeah, or like with yeah. um, with bottles or wreckage. Right. Oh. Okay. Fair enough. It's it's less letters than help. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, the doctor finishes his machine and it works. And the first thing that the ambassadors do uh, when they can finally like communicate back to them. So like the doctor can speak into the machine uh, and then it will send a radioactive signal into the room with the astronauts and the radioactive signal will translate what he's saying into their radioactive speech <laughs> and then they can spew radioactivity out and it, the machine then turns that radioactivity into speech back through the machine. What if um, uh, what if after all this it turns out their language was just uh, the song Radioactive by Imagine Dragons? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, so so yeah, so the machine works and the doctor's like, uh, he's like trying all these different signals until he gets to the right one and he's, he's basically being like, can you understand me? And they, as soon as they can understand, they all approach the glass and they're like, why make us kill? <laughs> Why did you make us kill? And I have to say, like, that's really messed up. Like, imagine it from their perspective, right? They're these three ambassadors. Imagine you're just like, you're just like one of three people who are going to this other country. And it's like, it's like a country that we just found somehow. Like, it was sure. like Atlantis or something. And we go there and we show up like Atlantis or Themyscira or something and there's three of us and we go we show up and then they have a thing they have a machine that can they can use to control us mm -hmm. and then you like walk into this world where you don't understand anyone what they're saying you don't know what's going on you're not in control of your own body and they're making you kill their own kind <laughs> with you. Like – and then putting you back into like a room and then making you walk back out and kill other people and then going back to the room. Like just imagine that. Yeah. That's pretty awful. It's – it's that's crazy because like you don't even know what's – you barely understand that these are like life forms. Like really because you're just like this is like this completely – like, I don't even know, understand your society and you're making me kill you. Like, I don't want this. Why are you making me do this? <laughs> God. Oh, it's terrible. Um, so anyway, they're all very distraught. And uh, essentially what they say is that unless the ambassadors are returned, Earth will be destroyed. So they just want to, like, exchange the Earth ambassadors – for the alien ambassadors. Do we ever find out what species these aliens are? No. No? They're just aliens? They're just they're the ambassadors aliens. of death. Oh, right. Death. Planet <laughs> death. The Deathians. 
<laughs> Wouldn't it be great if it was literal and the planet was death and the general's just like, see? Hello. <laughs> Their planet's called death. They're the ambassadors of death, but in our world, death means hugs. <laughs> <laughs> but we're radioactive, so her hugs mean death. <laughs> Our existence is pain. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so then the 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 general is like, the, the brigadier like shows up to like take away the general because he's like in his, he's getting ready to go on live television. And the brigadier is like, ah, we have all the proof we need. We can get rid of you. And uh, he's going to imprison him. But then like gunfights start coming out and brigadier is like brigadier is like he does like this full like he does that full stance again and it's pretty great like he's just <laughs> he's just, he just capping some dudes yeah dude. um in his tv studio it's really great and the reporter meanwhile is just like oh god what is this what's happening what have i done um the reporter i love the the bbc reporter in this because he he talks like this like it's, it's just yeah i love that guy Removing the head or destroying the brain. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I love. I love him. Uh, he's phenomenal. He's like, and now we're going to talk to. I'm like, you're on national TV, and you're like barely above a whisper. It's amazing. But anything louder would be impolite. It's <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, also, I love this too because now. Now that the general is on Front Street, his goons are also on Front Street, and they all are like they all look like they're North Korea. Like, yeah, they're all like, dressed similarly. Yeah, they all have like no- armbands, and they've got like the North Korean hats, <laughs> and they're just like, oh, those are bad guys. Obviously, wow. Okay, um, I don't know where they got those uniforms from, but uh, yeah, that happened. Um, so uh so yeah so the 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 whole TV studio uh goes up in gunfire between the the armband dudes and uh the and and unit the brigadier's men and uh yeah the uh the gunfight ends and and the general is the last man standing uh surrounded by unit and the brigadier and he's like okay well guess the jig's up and they're like yep like, so what are we going to do now? The doctor, like, shows up and the brigadier's like, so what do we do now? And he's like, well, we're going to exchange the ambassadors for the astronauts. And uh, he goes over to the ambassadors and he goes, he says, goodbye, gentlemen. Have a nice trip. And then he just pieces out. Yeah. And that's the <laughs> end of the story. <laughs> kind of the opposite of the Flarian episode. Yeah. Yeah. But just as, like, I love when it's just, like, out by. Oh, Yeah. Totally. You know what else um, that I learned in that behind the scenes thing uh, that I didn't know that I watched was that this is the first story to have the cliffhanger stings. Ah. Uh, where, yeah, where you go the cliffhanger and then you go it goes, oh, nice. that thing. Yeah, this this was the first story to ever do that. That's awesome. And then it never stopped. <laughs> Uh, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so this is a great story. I loved it. Yeah, this is one of those uh, classic Who stories that like aren't good. Ironically, like they're just good. Yeah, it's just a really good story. 
Yeah, it's like I like how fun it is. I like that it's not just like space danger. I like that it's actually like kind of sophisticated, you know? Yeah. It's true. It is very sophisticated. I would say. It's really good. Um and then oh. the next the next uh, third doctor story. Whew. So good. Inferno. I don't want Nick to know anything about that going in because I want his mind to explode. <laughs> well, there's a plague, right? It turns out that Dante was predicting a <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Is Inferno um, um, seven parts or eight? Jeez. I think I it's eight. Know. I think you're. I think you're right. I think it might be eight. It's so good, oh, though. It's amazing. That you don't even feel the eight episodes because it's so fantastic. Um, no, it's seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's seven. Yeah, because it's it's four seven seven seven. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, for the for this season, and I mean, this is. I mean, we'll, we'll as as we'll talk about uh, next season when we talk about. Inferno, uh, this is the best season of Classic Who. Like, inarguably the best season. Because there's not a weak link in the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, if you're coming from that. Yeah. It's like four absolute mind-bogglingly classic episodes. Yeah. And they're all good in their own specific way. Right. Yeah. What was the weak link in Series 9? Uh, farting aliens, right? No, that series one is what you're. Oh, series nine. Um, series nine. The first season of uh, is that the no? That was second, last season. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this this last season of the show. Uh, probably the uh, Azkaban episode, right? The Azkaban episode. Yeah, the one where they're like they're like seeing themselves with the adventure. What? Uh. Was that before the flood? Before the flood. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. That one wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, oh, no. The worst one was the found footage one. Oh, yeah. The stupid dream. Stupid yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Stupid. Nick liked that one, but. Stupid. Apparently not a lot. Cause I don't remember that one. That's a Marquinhos yeah. one, right? Or no? I can't remember who wrote that one, but. Dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I the, remember the getting really mad about that. The one with the Sandman. Okay. Yeah, that it's one. Was like, and the twist, the twist at the end was that none of it actually happened. <laughs> oh, right. And there was no reason to watch it. Okay. What a dumb episode. <laughs> I just anyway. wasted your time. <laughs> That's the twist. I just wasted your time. <laughs> and you'll never get it back. I just took <laughs> <laughs> your life away. Yeah, as 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 his as his face turns into sand, and he's like laughing about wasting your time. <laughs> it was me the whole time. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So we will be back next week with the Centauran experiment. Look for that to be a pretty short episode because uh, it's only two parts. So I can't imagine that one's going to run very long. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, Centauran Experiment, uh, one of the, one of or the weakest episode in 
that first Tom Baker season. Well, it's got a sun, it's got some turns, um, and some turns are pretty crappy. Revenge of the Cybermen is also not good. Okay, but the rest of them are like decent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, is is Siren after Centaurin or is it after Genesis? It's after Genesis. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you get to break that. Oh, Sleep, no Sleep No More was the one where it, it had like a really cool shell, but ended up just being another alien ripoff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So anyway, Centaurin, uh, Centaurin Experiment, Fourth Doctor, we're talking about <gasps> that Kinda. Yeah, and then Kinda. Yes. Not to be confused with the episode The Centaurans Experiment. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime. Yeah, in the meantime. You can go to our website. You can go to our website. Yeah. It's duelinggenre.com. You can email us, contact at the doctorscompanion.us. Uh, we are on Twitter at TDCpod. Uh, we are sometimes on Tumblr, uh, the Doctor's Companion Podcast.tumblr.com. Um, we have a Facebook page. If you could give us a five-star review on iTunes, that would be awesome. As well as check out uh, our other dueling genre productions, uh, such as Back to the Future Minute, which Scott and Nick host. Uh, Lord of the Rings Minute, which I host with my, I guess, almost almost husband, now husband. I don't know when this episode's coming out. Um, are you going to start – are you uh, – this is a weird question to ask you on the show. <laughs> Is, is the next episode, when we record Centauran Experiment, are you going to have a different name? No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't sure. No worries. <laughs> okay. Wasn't sure. Because that was going to freak me out. I'm not going to lie. That oh, no, no, no. No, it's out. fine. <laughs> um, and uh, our, like, baby, uh, Geek by mm-hmm. Night, uh, which will hopefully be back by the time this comes out. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Um. And you can also support us on Patreon, which you can find at duelinggenre.com slash support, as well as a one-time donation button and some cool merch. Uh, And special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Leaper182, and we will see you guys next week for this Centaurin experiment. (laughs) 